0: In the heart of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you on this Thursday. Is it just me or is this week just zipping by and bringing us ever closer to Christmas Day? How's that Christmas shopping coming? I've actually made some progress this week, which I'm very pleased with. Not a lot, but at least i got to start. How are you doing in that particular department? (laughs) I want to start off with some good news. There's a couple of items here that I put in the category of being praiseworthy. As you know, I'm very concerned about what's taking place in our nation's capital now. During this lame duck session of Congress, this is a period of time between now and the time the new Congress comes into power in January. This is the opportunity, and I use that word sarcastically, for all kinds of mischief for politicians who want to do things that they couldn't do at other times because they, there is the possibility, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily happen, but the possibility that there could be consequences and accountability for the actions of these politicians. This is the time where, politically speaking, these folks can pretty much get away with bloody murder. They can. And probably will. We've already told you about how there are certain things, certain things that are taking place that involve members of Congress, in particular senators, who are retiring. So once they leave, there will be no consequence for what they are doing right now. They're going to leave us, those of you who are Paying the freight with the bill for their irresponsible decisions. That's what's going to happen here. Mainly with budget matters. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. But can I talk about a W for us? We can talk plenty about the L's. And there are likely to be a few before this session of Congress is over. But we've got some W's. We've got at least one W to celebrate this morning. And let me tell you what that is. Breitbart's reporting, GOP and liberals have defeated Wall Street's Eagle Act outsourcing bill. If you go back to the 2016 presidential campaign, what was one of the big issues that helped to catapult President Donald Trump to victory? It's the issue of immigration, illegal immigration, the issue of outsourcing, jobs, opportunity. And just the fact that we have runaway immigration in this country. Now, some people might look and say, well, you're a black man. I can't believe you don't want to let other people in. And let me just restate my position on this. I believe... legal immigration people coming in the front door and I think there needs to be a fair process for everybody a fair process so nobody gets to slip in the back door and just because they've come in illegally okay we'll let you stay that should not be automatic I also do not believe that big corporations should be allowed to set these policies in a way that is in their best interests, but not the best interests of the American people. So here's what's happened here House GOP legislators defeated the billionaire backed EGO Act. It's an outsourcing bill. And this is what's crazy about it they did it with the help of a breakaway faction of liberal Democrats who rejected the bill's preference for Indian visa workers. Remember what I told you about special preferences, the remarkable alliance created by West Coast business groups who used a population of Indian visa workers to disguise a massive outsourcing change, dubbed Section seven. The section threatened to flood the U.S. labor market with a subservient, no rights workforce that would displace millions of Americans from white collar and blue collar jobs. What have I warned you about repeatedly on this broadcast? The danger of occlusion of big government and big business. By the way, I don't know exactly why. Wall Street's not looking too good right now. Down 687 points. We'll continue to follow this and get some sense of what's going on today that's causing this sell-off. But I digress. So this bill, this giveaway, it died without a vote. Democrat leaders decided to withdraw the bill. They recognized they were going to lose on the House floor. The lack of a vote obscures the political splits and shifts, but nearly all GOP members, including the eight GOP sponsors of the Fortune 500 giveaway, turned against the bill. As GOP leaders, Representative Kevin McCarthy and GOP Whip Steve Scalise declared their opposition and started whipping their members to vote against the bill. Get a load of this. This might have passed. This might have passed. The bill's complex Section 7 was appalling, and leadership recognized that. That's the word from Ryan Walker, the Vice President of Government Relations for Heritage Action. For a number of years, these types of bills were seen as a gimme from Republicans. But they're taking a closer look at this stuff now, especially over the past 4, 16 years. The business community has not always had the American people's interests at heart. You think? The GOP has recognized that. They're finally taking a fine-tooth comb to these pieces of legislation. Tom McClintock of California, Republican, one of the leading voices against this bill. This bill is a big, fat, middle finger to America's working families. Scott Fitzgerald, Republican. Section 7 of the bill is an inrun run around the annual green card limit. But The GOP opposition came after conservative activists and immigration reformers lobbied members face-to-face. After one in six GOP voters showed immigration was their top priority during the midterms. Breitbart News really deserves a lot of credit for covering this story. Doing nine articles since November 22nd. Yet the GOP could not have won without support from Democrats. Including Representative Yvette Clark, Democrat, Democrat. Who runs the immigration section of the Congressional Black Caucus. She said, I cannot support efforts that would perpetuate the current inequities in our immigration system. Good for her. Kevin Lynn, founder of U.S. Tech Workers, adding, that was probably the most significant development. <laughs> we'll talk about this and much more. Get your thoughts on yet another... <laughs> Victory! Let's celebrate this one. <laughs> right here. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And if you'd like to join the conversation, you are welcome to the Ingalls Markets Talk Line. 800-928-1110. 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line Is 71307 started off mentioning this giveaway for Wall Street, the Eagle Act, which has gone down in flames, and it's a combination of Republicans and some Democrats who've decided they cannot support this. This had to be a team effort. Kevin Lynn, founder of U.S. Tech Workers. Saying, I think this was probably the most significant development, referring to Yvette Clark saying she could not support this from the Congressional Black Caucus. He's saying, I think we're going to see going forward an awakening of American descendants, of slaves, that they have real political power and they don't have to toe the Democratic line. In this case, they pushed off the Chamber of Commerce, the corporate Democrats, and they said, hey... What this doesn't work for is anyone, but one country. So they're not going to go along with this. One country. It's a set-aside for one country. The outsourcing bill pushed by forward.us representing West Coast investors and their outsourcing companies. The investors hid their Section 7 behind a PR strategy that pitched the bill as a decent fix for the pro-diversity country caps. That caps limit the annual share of 140,000 corporate-sponsored green cards that can be allocated to the Indian visa workers preferred by the Fortune 500 and their subcontractors. The breath of investors who founded and funded Ford.us was hidden from casual visitors, the group's website, sometime in the last year. But copies exist at the other sites. You'll not be surprised by some of these names. 2013 founders included Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Shocking. Microsoft founder Bill Gates. John Doerr of Kleiner Perkins. Matt Kohler at Benchmark. Reed Hoffman, partner at the Greylock Partners Investment Firm, who sits on the board of Microsoft. Isn't it just wonderful? <laughs> this is just crazy, isn't it? The investors defeat a big turnaround from 2019 when business groups used their lobbying to pass a similar bill. They got just 65 nay votes. A matching bill by Senator Mike Lee was blocked by several senators once GOP staffers learned more about the economic impact of the matching bills. This is another example, folks, of eternal vigilance. That's what it requires, because these folks will try these stunts time and time again. They will. Democrats and some Republicans Gordon Breitbart are still trying to insert other immigration giveaways into the end-of-year funding bill. Jerry Moran, Republican, announced his support for a bill that offers fast-track green cards to a huge and growing population of 70,000 Afghans. That population includes some people who fought the Taliban and some opportunists who slipped into the U.S. airlift to reach what they hope will be a better life in the U.S. Now, again, if you want to do this We can have a conversation about the legitimacy of letting these Afghans in. Let's have that conversation. It's a separate, individual conversation. You don't throw this into an appropriations bill to hide this from the American people. This is what these politicians love to do. But the key thing is this morning we celebrate the demise of the EGO Act. Good riddance. A rather positive story, an act of generosity. I was having I've had several conversations about this. About human nature, which I believe at the core, we're flawed people. And I believe our society in general... Too many of us are driven by entirely by self-interest and selfishness. So it's always encouraging to me when I see examples of people doing something generous. Rather than grabbing, giving. People Magazine reporting on the winner of Survivor. I'm not a fan of the show, never watched an episode. Something extraordinary happened last night. The winner is Mike Gabler. And he decided to donate his entire million dollar prize to veterans. Telling Jeff Probes, there are people who need that money more. This guy's a heart valve specialist, 52-year-old guy. He'd been telling viewers of the CBS competition series his plan before nabbing the wind, but followed through with his promise after being named sole survivor. So there are people who need that money more. I'm going to donate the entire prize, the entire million-dollar prize in my father's name, Robert Gabler, who is a Green Beret, to veterans in need who are recovering from psychiatric problems, PTSD, and curb the suicide epidemic. We're going to save lives and do something good. He said this amid cheers from jurors, castmates. A million dollars is going to them. We made history. History. Adding in that wonderful moment. Gabler cannot praise Survivor enough, talking about the impact on him and the rest of the contestants. Ted, at the end of this, this is such a wonderful decision. Take this million dollars in this time period when there's so much going on in the news that people don't like to look at. People are encouraged. I think this also inspires other people. When we do acts of charity, it encourages other people. It sets a tone. And I think it's a very good tone. What do you think? This is very much praiseworthy. Dave, a good friend of mine on social media, posting this. Survivor winner Gabler donating his $1 million winnings to veterans in need. That is class. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Much more as we continue our broadcast. We'll go to the darker side of what's going on in Washington. Some of the antics underway on immigration. That much more as we continue. To come the broadcast a little bit later on, we're going to talk about what's going on with our power grid and concerns about its safety, its protection. Boy, are we reminded about this and what happened in Moore County some days ago. The vulnerability that is there. We're going to talk with an expert on this coming up in the next hour. Not sure we'll get to this today. But I want to warn you again about an assault that is underway on free speech. People who are using tragedy to basically shut you up so you don't have a right to comment about things that are of concern to you. It's a new form of bullying that is taking place. We'll address this subject, very important subject. John, appreciate his post. You know, and one of the conversations, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I've had some great conversations in recent days with people... Who are very conscientious and the people I find who are really healthy are those people who are doing some self-examination they're first looking at themselves and recognizing you remember that faith not faith focus Friday transformation Tuesday segment where we recognize that we are part of the world's problem but we have the opportunity in Christ to be part of the world's solution. But that beginning place is so important to recognize my complicity, what's in my heart. John puts this, I know that in me dwells the capability to do every evil thing. Only the love of Christ constrains us. Have a great day. John, you're right on the money. Right on the money. Vince, now wait a minute. Are you saying some Washington politicians act in selfish self-interest? So I suppose next, (laughs) you will tell me that gambling is going on at Rick's Cafe. Shocking. (laughs) It's pretty funny. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that self-interest. I want to remind you of something I warned you about years ago, and this goes back to the beginning of the Trump era. One of the things I was very concerned about at the time, and it's proven to be true, is all of these... I don't even like using the word rhino because it doesn't even get to the heart of what's wrong here. All these Republicans who campaign as conservatives... They were able to skate under the radar during this Trump era because frankly I see a lot of people, and this is just my assessment, who didn't care about anything else but what Donald Trump said and did. That was it. So Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and all of these liberal Republicans were able to skate. All they had to do is to peer appear anyway, to kiss Donald Trump's rear end. And help his agenda. Until he's gone. And now they're back to the same old tricks. In fact, they never really stopped them. It's just that people didn't pay much attention to it. And here they are. Here they are back at the top of the heap. Because, I mean, whether we like it or not. From a political standpoint, this is the leadership of the Republican Party. It's Mitch McConnell. It's Kevin McCarthy, if he indeed wins in January. These are the folks who are in charge. So we should not be surprised when they pull stunts like the one that I'm about to tell you about. See, we actually told you about this some days ago. But now we have another element to this. As President Joe Biden has come out and expressed the fact that he is encouraged by this new amnesty proposal that is being trumpeted by none other than North Carolina's Tom Tillis in Kirsten Cinema that also includes foreign worker expansion. Notice how these themes keep coming back over and over again. Biden encouraged by a lame duck proposal from Senators Tom Tillis and Kirsten Sinema that gives amnesty to millions of illegal aliens and expands the number of foreign workers in the United States labor market. Tillis and Sinema proposed a plan that would give amnesty to at least 2 million illegal aliens, those enrolled and eligible for former President Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, and bring hundreds of thousands more foreign workers into the labor market via changes to the employment-based green cards. During a news conference this week, White House News Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre saying Biden is encouraged by this plan, as it's similar to the administration's own plan that included amnesty for most of the nation's 11 to 22 million illegal aliens. What's wrong with this picture, folks? Why do we have Republicans supporting anything? anything that is favorable to a Biden plan on this subject. Jean-Pierre saying we're encouraged by the bipartisan conversations happening on immigration reform currently in Congress. On the president's first day in the White House and in his administration, he put forth a comprehensive immigration reform because he understood how important this issue was protection for dreamers that's what was in that legislation he put forth cutting down the asylum backlog modernizing our outdated immigration systems so we're going to let the process play out not going to get ahead of it as you know there's negotiations happening on this framework that's being done by senators cinema and tillis we're encouraged by it. president put that on day one. This is important. We needed to get this done. The Biden administration is carrying out its own backdoor amnesty. Well, we've got well over a million border crossers, illegal aliens, securing parole after their arrival at the United States-Mexican border. So they're just released into the American communities while waiting their asylums hear- hearings. One such program with about 40,000 closed cases, only about 7% of those released into the U.S. interior have been granted asylum. 7%. What happened to the others? Biden hoping to drastically expand the already record high foreign born population in the U.S. Most recently announced the revamping of an Obama era program called the New Americans Task Force which will provide resources to green card holders. And this is his idea of making America better. (laughs) We're going to talk more about this. And we'll delve into another devious plan to use your money in a way that I'm sure you're not thrilled about. Stay with us. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program over on the text line. Protection for dreamers? Do citizens not have dreams? Well, yours don't matter. It's the future voters we're concerned about. Vince, a pox on them all. Republican and Democrat. Vince, why doesn't Tom Tillis just go ahead and slither over to the Democrat Party? He hasn't represented his North Carolina constituents since day one. Totally useless. Completely corrupt. Corrupt. Allen out of Gastonia. I don't think he's a fan of Mr. Tillis. Vince, I've said for a while, about 60% of these Republicans, the majority of these Democrats are just opposite cheeks on the same ass. Both are equally worthless. There are a few good Republicans still out there. That's why we need to get more involved in the primaries to get more good wins. And these old coots out. Jeff, you were right on the money. A little bit more about this TELUS Cinema Amnesty. (laughs) This is just, it's maddening, isn't it? Ah. Joe Biden said 26% of every child who's in school today speaks Spanish. 26%. We've had large waves of immigration before, but the thing is, we just have so much opportunity to make this country so much better. I really mean it. So my father would say, let's go get them. I'm not against people speaking Spanish. This is not an objective, though, for an American president. This is crazy. That's what it is. And brace yourself for the tin cup from the progressive states. And I put progressive in quotes because you need to understand when you see the word progressive, it really means regressive. Breitbart also reporting on Gavin Newsom, who's now complaining that Biden's migrant flights are a burden for his sanctuary state dear California Gavin Newsom saying these flights filled with border crossers and illegal aliens are particularly a burden for sanctuary states like his so does this mean mr. Newsom is going to oppose illegal immigration of course not this is an opportunity folks and I'm gonna tell you what the opportunity is you ready for this In an interview with ABC 10 News, Newsom seemingly complained California is having to foot the bill for hundreds of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens arriving by buses and flights every month. It's part of the Biden administration's expansive catch and release network. Federal government spending actually sending more and more flights, more and more buses directly to California. He says this state is doing what no other state's doing. Absorbing and protecting and preserving our values and advancing them by doing healthcare screenings taking care of folks and the more we do the burden is placed disproportionately on us. We're already at capacity. Nine of our sites we can't continue to fund all of these sites because of the budgetary pressures now being placed on this state and the offsetting issues that I have to address. So let me get this straight. You support illegal immigration. Now these people start coming. And, you, you know, let me add something. You promise all of these things to illegal immigrants at taxpayer expense. And now you're complaining, oh, we can't fund this. You know where this goes next. He's helped to drive illegal immigration to California. California with reinforcement to the state's strict sanctuary policy that shields criminal illegal aliens from arrest and deportation, offering free taxpayer-funded health insurance to all 4.4 million illegal alien residents, and expanding the issuance of state IDs for illegal aliens. According to Newsom, California is likely to be more overrun with border crossers and illegal aliens, As the public health authority noticed Title 42 that's been used at the U.S.-Mexico border, it's days away from expiring. The fact is, what we've got right now is not working. It's about to break in a post-42 world, unless we take some responsibility and ownership. Also claiming Republicans responsible for record setting levels of illegal immigration under the Biden administration, says amnesty for the nation's 11th of 22 million illegal aliens is the best policy solution. By the way, as of October, an estimated 1.4 million border crossers, illegal aliens, have been released into the U.S. interior since Biden took office late January 2021. That's in addition to more than 600,000 illegal aliens. Who are known to have successfully crossed the southern border this is pure madness what's he going to do next well what do you think he's going to do ask for the federal government to bail out california that's what they're going to do coming up we're going to talk about what's going on with our power grid what can be done to make this more secure we'll discuss this and much more Hour number two is straight ahead. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley radio program. From the hearts of the Carolinas. A breath of fresh air. A voice of reason. This is the Vince Coakley radio program. Hour number two of our broadcast. I want to quickly get to a subject of utmost concern for us. A couple of stories here, a federal memo, warning substations in Washington and Oregon recently suffered physical attacks similar to the targeted gunfire toward the power grid over the weekend in Moore County, North Carolina, where tens of thousands were without electricity. News Nation obtained a federal law enforcement memo warning power stations in Oregon and Washington reported physical attacks on substations using hand tools, arson, firearms and metal chains, possibly in response to an online call for attacks on critical infrastructure. The memo said the aim is to cause widespread power failures with the potential impact of social disruption and violent anti-government criminal activity. In recent attacks, criminal actors bypass security fences by cutting the fence links, lighting nearby fires, shooting equipment from a distance, or throwing objects over the fence and on equipment. We has, have this also from Newswise. A Tulane University expert on Homeland Security it says recent attacks and vandalism on electrical substations have raised questions about protecting these valuable pieces of America's infrastructure. Michael Wallace, Program Director for Emergency Security Studies at Tulane University School of Professional Advancement, says the biggest drawback to better protection for these vital components goes back to requirement and cost. They're talking about the cost. And it's great, but I think many of us would agree that the cost to do nothing could certainly be much greater. To bring some insight to this very important subject, we've reached out to Dr. George Baker, the Foundation for Resilient Societies, the Secure the Grid Coalition, and the Congressional EMP Commission. Welcome to the broadcast, Dr. Baker.
1: Thank you, Vince. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on.
0: I want to jump right in, and uh, we want to get to the broader issue and concern about EMP and the EMP threat, but it's kind of interesting with the incident in Moore County and others. It's uh, looking like we've got a low-tech concern here. Um, how do we address this?
1: Uh, yeah, um, there are three three types of threats. Uh, if you look at the national... Uh, threat documents there's three types of threats we need to be concerned with and and uh, the the first which is getting seems like the most attention is the cyber threat second is the physical some people call it the kinetic threat where you're actually uh, physically attacking uh, this is the low tech uh, uh, threat and then the third is the electromagnetic threats which should, would include EMP and solar storms so but uh, uh the, the the approach to all of them uh has, starts with uh a uh, uh an, an effort to prioritize the most important uh systems that uh, uh generate and deliver electricity and uh uh that that's that turns out to be uh, a, a a lot uh, more difficult than most people would uh would would suspect, but yeah. The, so the 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 challenge right now is to uh, uh, identify the most critical nodes and then protect those. Uh, by uh, there's a lot of lot of different ways to do that, uh, and uh, yeah, for the uh, systems, you know, the electric powered uh, systems that are supplying military bases. A lot of times, the uh, the military will have uh, uh, military police stations at, at the substations, and uh, that, that's, that's a, a method. I know in, uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina, I've been out to see some of the, the uh, substations there, and uh, they're actually, uh, the Duke Energy is, is actually putting up uh, 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 barrier walls, opaque walls, so that you can't, cannot see the, what's inside the substations. That's another very effective uh, uh, means for the uh, physical attacks and then uh, for uh, the uh, cyber we need to identify the uh, you know the, the computer interfaces and the control system interfaces that that uh, need to be protected and make sure that they're they're off the internet and for the electromagnetic threats uh, uh we want to uh, put in voltage limiters uh, on the electric uh, components that um, uh, uh that would would uh, uh uh, take the grid down if they were to uh, fail. So that, that's just sort of a thumbnail. But there's those three threats that we're, we're concerned about at the national level, and uh, and uh, the the. Uh, but the, the most important thing to do is to identify that you can't protect everything. Identify those uh, components of the grid that are the most important, and and li- that limit limit our attention to those and protect those.
0: We're talking with Doctor George Baker. One of the things uh, I'm curious about here, and 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 I'm trying to be optimistic here. Do you think what's happened with these low tech attacks that this might help bring attention to this broader issue of the need to protect our power grid?
1: Yes, definitely. In fact, I was just on the uh, at ten thirty. I had a phone call with uh, Department of Energy uh, the, the, and the the. Uh, uh, their director for uh uh, uh grid protection um he's, he's he's charged with uh doing doing the uh, left left of event you know, the preparation against uh, uh, the uh, the uh, three threats there and uh, uh this this attack in north carolina is something that he mentioned is 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 really a spurring interest and there are some uh, grant opportunities with the department of energy uh that where where they're they're actually going to be making uh, money available uh to the the states and localities uh, uh to protect portions of the grid uh, that that are are the, the highest priority. So yes, that, this is definitely making a a uh, you know a difference in the 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 uh, you know the national priorities uh, uh, relative to protecting the grid.
0: We only have about a minute left to this segment. Uh I guess one of the things I'm curious about uh, just putting all this together, what is necessary right now, money-wise, priority-wise, to secure our grid, especially with the threat of EMP? What can be done right now? What does Congress need to do?
1: Um, the, we need to to change the regulatory structure for protecting the grid uh, the uh, present regulatory structure gives the util puts the utilities in control of the grid protection and they have, have come up with standards which don't really have much teeth in them and so what what congress could do is there's a regulatory electric power act of 2005 which is really obsolete that needs to be re- redone and we need to have a a, 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 a system where the the uh, federal government and I, I you know, I, 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 you know, as a, I tend to be conservative in my views, but with the power grid, it's so essential to everything. I think the federal government needs to have a much, much more uh, control over the utilities and telling them, you know, here's how we need to to uh, prioritize and protect our, our grid systems. So, so there's a need for a, a new electric power uh, regulation act that supplants the, t- the regulatory act of 2005.
0: We're talking with Dr. George Baker. Are you able to hang on with us just for another quick segment? Can you do that?
1: Yes, I can do that.
0: We'll continue this conversation right here. Stay with us. And we continue our conversation with Dr. George Baker. He is a person very much concerned about what's going on with our power grid. And one of the questions I want to end with here relates to where we are in this process, because I know there have been discussions going on about this for years. How optimistic are you that we're going to see some action on that? I mean, think about this. I'm just kind of putting a timetable on this. You know, uh, two years until the next presidential election, what are the odds that we're actually going to see Congress take some serious action on this issue to secure our power grid?
1: Um, Congress has 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 passed some bills that are very helpful and uh, and and also in, especially with the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, but the problem has been that the federal agencies have been very slow to, uh, on the draw to uh, uh, address the, the uh, congressional, uh, congressional uh, bill requirements. And so I, I, do, I don't see the problem. I think we've, we've, in a way, we've won the legislative battle. The problem is just the implementation. And I have to also, you know, just in... in uh, Mentioned that these are very difficult problems, and and um, they, and they're, they're going to take some time. And my, even if uh, if we started, you know, today with a concerted effort to protect the grid against these three threats, uh, my estimate it will take uh, uh, ten years to, to wow. complete the uh, process. Yeah, it's it, when you think of you know the uh, I think the uh, the uh, physic, physical size of the electric grid. The electric grid is the, the U S electric grid is the largest system in the world bar none. And, uh, and, and I think the, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the total value of the, of the, uh, of the grid assets is, is, um, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, approaching $10 trillion. It's a very, very, uh, uh, you know, expensive uh, system to begin with. And then when you start, start to, uh, uh, uh protect anything that large it, it it'll take some time but but um uh, uh so we just we just have just need to keep pressing but but uh, I think that, that people are taking the cyber threat very seriously now today but we're we're not we haven't taken the uh, uh the electromagnetic threats so we aren't doing much about the electromagnetic threats and that's where we really need to uh, uh, get started and get get serious
0: do you really think um, Congress is gonna do that? Well, in the near future.
1: Yeah, the uh the, the Two two thousand twenty National Defense Authorization Act uh, uh required uh protection of the grid and, and implement and and uh, uh but it just it just uh, the uh, I the federal agencies are 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 have been, have been very slow to uh they're finding that the problem is harder. One of the big problems, which I've already mentioned, is prioritization. One of the first things that the Congress required was that the, uh, the Department of Homeland Security prioritize the grid assets, and that turned out to be a much harder process. Every time you say, you know, that one part of the grid is is, prior, is, is priority, then somebody will object and say, no, uh, there's something else that's its priority and so there's some some disagreement over what are the priority systems and that that's uh, in order to be, just because we can't protect everything it's so important to whittle the problem down to the the most important uh, uh, pieces of the grid and that that's taking is taking longer than we suspected is
0: the inertia there is the initiative there
1: uh there is i think that there's uh, there's some there's some uh, inertia one of the one of the problems is that the uh, the electric power industry uh, has been uh, 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 has resisted uh, 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 paying a lot of money for resilience. they you know we, now we have this deregulated grid. They're more interested in the bottom line and uh, money they would have to spend to protect pieces of the grid uh, uh, detracts detracts from their profits. So that that's been a problem. And then the other problem is that actually with this. Uh, a present regulatory framework. The electric power industry is 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 in the driver's seat. They, the, uh, the federal government under the under the new the rule present rules cannot write uh, um, protection requirements. They those protection requirements have to be written by the. The uh, power industry under under NERC, and the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. NERC is the electric power industry's uh, arm, and they write all the they write all the uh, the uh, standards. And uh, the standards right now just don't have very much teeth in them.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a whole lot of work to do. And yeah. uh, as I was saying, the early part of this conversation, one of the hopes is that uh, this low-tech uh, trend that we're seeing of attacks on substations uh, perhaps will draw more attention to this and, and bring a greater sense of urgency perhaps to this in order to uh, protect all of us. I very much you, appreciate right. you. Yeah,
1: th- this will. This, is, this really will help. They say Americans find their limits by walking off cliffs. <laughs> these, these physical attacks are... are uh, we're finding out just how how soft the grid is and how easy it is to with, with disrupt large portions of it with just a few people. <laughs> and that that's... I think that's going to really spur some 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 uh, uh, activity and that's my hope anyway.
0: I certainly hope you're right. Dr. George Baker, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast today, sir.
1: Glad to do it. Thank you.
0: So what do you think? Do you think uh, there'll be a little bit more of a fire under the rear ends of members of Congress? To accelerate this thing to break through the regulatory issues the financial issues I I think to all of this to me just comes down to the will this texture is right on the money Vince will spend billions of dollars in foreign aid but spend no federal money to protect the power get grid what is wrong with this picture yes you guys are such hypocrites when it's about companies profits it's capitalism But if it's about the same company's tax-deductible security expenditures, it's the taxpayer's responsibility. Pure socialism. You can't see the hypocrisy because it fits your agenda. It's not my agenda. Just saying. Just saying. Do you think there will be some urgency here? Still to come on the broadcast... I want to address a couple of things. One of them, I told you about the mischief underway in this lame duck session of Congress. We'll go into this. And a member of the Senate who is calling out Republicans. Good for him. And another life and death reminder for us all. Again, another piece of evidence that appearances. Well, they can be quite deceptive. We'll address that and much more as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. One of the things we've discussed during the course of the broadcast today... You know, it's not new, but it's the faithlessness of politicians. I keep coming back to that speech, and maybe we'll play it again, from years ago where Nigel Farage spoke at CPAC, do you remember that, where he talked about the Uniparty in the United Kingdom, and how basically what you have is this collusion of big government and big business, and it doesn't matter what political party is there. We also played a clip from him. He did a kind of a a monologue in the car where he was speaking of the deadness of the Conservative Party in the United Kingdom. We could say the same thing here in America. Rand Paul trying to rein in spending. One of the efforts to do that, I think he said he got four other senators to go along with him, three or four other senators. That's pathetic. So Rand Paul, who I thoroughly appreciate, a solid conservative, always has been, also a good friend of my friend Congressman Thomas Massey. I really appreciate the stand that he takes. He made an appearance on the Fox Business Network's Cudlow. Addressing this issue of what the Republican Party's done to itself. They've basically done something that's really unforgivable. They have abdicated on this issue of the budget deal. And it looks like they're going to go along with this omnibus bill that is is—it's profoundly inexcusable. Here's what Rand Paul has to say about the Republican abdication.
2: This, this brings upon us the lie that Republicans really are fiscally conservative. The Democrats aren't. They will not pretend to be fiscally conservative. Not one of them up here gives a darn about the debt. Republicans all profess to, but when you make them vote on the pay-go resolution, pay-as-you-go, that we can't have new spending without offsetting it, they always vote to exempt it. So the omnibus will be 3,000 pages. We'll get it two hours before they want to pass it. No one will read it. But hidden in the 3,000 pages will be, we're going to waive PAYGO. So Steve Moore's right, it would take 41 votes. But the other thing is, 41 votes would stop the big spending. If 41 of us said no and held our ground until there was a compromise, we could force Democrats to reduce spending. We have completely and totally abdicated the power of the purse. Republicans are emasculated. They have no power, and they are unwilling to gain that power back. The only way they can get it, divide the spending into 12 bills, and then decide to hold one of them hostage, or two of them hostage, and then apply policy changes in the House. But they've got to do it. They've got to capture this. And we'd have to do the budget the way it's supposed to be. budget. 12 appropriation bills and then try to attach some policy like removing the 87,000 IRS agents from the IRS budget. When we try to do it in one bill, the Republicans don't have the intestinal fortitude, they always collapse and they fear shutting government down so no policy objectives ever get added. The only way we can do it is if we actually do what we're supposed to do, budget, 12 appropriation bills and then decide which ones you wanna fight over.
0: This is not complicated at all. We had this conversation with Thomas Massey. Remember I played that audio as well? Twelve appropriation bills. That's what's supposed to happen. Folks, it's freaking December. The fiscal year started in October. Why are we doing this yet again? And now the idiot Republicans are about to bail out the Democrats on this. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Zero. But I don't need to beat this dead horse because there's something I want to get to before we go I don't watch any of these shows but I've noticed how much on social media people have made note of the death of Stephen boss if you're not familiar with Stephen boss he's the amiable DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show a dancer who rose to fame on so you think you can dance he has passed away It's only 40 years old before I go into the story I just want to mention as a personal note I think I've shared with you this year how many suicidal ideation situations I've dealt with and how many other people I'm talking with even in this week who are just depressed and down discouraged there's a lot of this going on Holker Boss, who is the wife, uh, Allison Holker Boss, the wife of Stephen Boss, known as Twitch, says, with his heaviest of hearts, I have to share my husband Stephen has left us. Stephen lit up every room he stepped into. He valued family, friends, and community above all else. Leading with love and light was everything to him. He was the backbone of our family, the best husband and father, and an inspiration to his fans. Now, the concern about honoring his memory. But we do know the medical examiner confirms he died by suicide. I want to take the opportunity again to just speak to anybody who may be having a difficult time, and and honestly, I had this conversation a number of times in this week about how, especially for people who are already depressed, this holiday season is especially discouraging. Holiday seasons can be for people who are going through this. I just want to encourage you again, reach out for help if you need to. Find the help that you need. Do not suffer in silence. Vitally important. That you get the help that you need so that is something that I wanted to uh, just use this as an opportunity to speak to this so that um, you know especially I want to speak to men and I've said this plenty of times before I still continue to encounter way too many men who are afraid to um, to acknowledge their vulnerability in this area so There's a number. You can call 988, dial 988 or 741-741 to reach a trained crisis counselor through Crisis Text Line. It's free. It's confidential. So please get the help that you need if you are in this situation. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.